Give and Take. It's the podcast where yours truly, Scott Jones, talks with artists, authors, theologians, political pundits, media people, and assorted others about the lens through which they experience life. My guest today is Tiffany Ann Dwyer. She is a health and wellness coach specializing in food philosophy, an essential oils educator, wife, mother, and real-life advocate. Her passion is influencing others to love themselves without guilt. Tiffany and I had a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. I give you Tiffany Ann Dwyer. Tiffany, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. It's great to have you on here. We got to know each other. I, I think I got to know your husband through actually some podcasts, other podcasts I do and have done and connected to you guys, your story a little bit. And you are a person that cares about wellness, like body, mind, and soul. Yes, um, I am. I just, I really do feel that they're all so related and, you know, um, so it is a, it's a pretty big passion of mine to, you know, to discover more about it. How did this passion begin? Like, where does that, where does that start for you? Were you like the person that in gym class was really like, Hey, let's, um, let's get it together and get the most out of our dodgeball and recess. Like where did, was it later in life? Like, how did you connect to, uh, the desire to do, to help people with fitness and how does that connect? to your own sense of spirituality because you're a deeply spiritual person and not shy about the yeah. that spiritual part of your own story. Um, you know, I actually, it, no, I was not a, um, a go-getter in school. I wasn't into sports. If I was, it was really like, um, I, I wanted to do it in my own, like I did swimming and I did running. And so at whatever I could compete with myself, I didn't like to compete with anyone else really. Um, and I was fine with losing and I was fine with, you know, not being the best at whatever it was I was doing. Um, and I was a kind of like a, um, just like a more introverted type of person as far as, you know, sports and, and health and wellness and all that kind of stuff went. Um, but my mom was really active. And so I grew up, you know, from three years old watching her exercise and, um, you know, she tried her best to feed us well and, um, but it really came when I, I struggled at 14 with an eating disorder and, um, you know, I was like the size of a Turkey, like I was 75 pounds and, you know, on the verge of being suicidal. And they put me in this, in this, um, you know, eating disorder clinic. And I, you know, I remember how, how did you recognize looking, you had any eating disorder? Like, what is the discovery process at 14? Like, I mean, how do you know, like, how does that identified? How, how did you, what, what did they tell you it was like, what kind of feelings does that create for a 14 year old? Um, well, for me, it was the eating disorders are so challenging because, um, they can be triggered by different things. And for me, um, you know, without, without getting to, um, you know, like dishonoring to my parents, I grew up kind of feeling neglected emotionally and couldn't get the, the type of affections and the attention that I needed. And so I think what, what ended up happening for me was in order to get this attention, um, and, and have this kind of, you know, um, like self-love or whatever you want to call it. I, I knew how to do food. I've always known how to like cook well and put efforts into and energy into food. And so for me, it just started with, um, you know, like cutting out a little bit of this or cutting out a little bit of that. And, um, it didn't really, you, you know, our culture is so thin 
driven and we're so like, we think that thin is so wonderful and it's so, um, attractive that at first it didn't, when I started dropping weight, it wasn't alarming for people. Um, because, and it wasn't really alarming for me because I was just dieting, you know, but yeah, yeah, um, like in, our, in previous generations, right. The rich person being a little overweight showed that you're living well and being like thin it's like that's where that's how poor people you know are people are struggling exactly. now, now it's like the people it's the boss that's fit because he or she has the money and the time and the energy to eat well and exercise and has a flexible schedule and it's the people that are often struggling socioeconomically that are characteristically struggling with weight stuff yeah exactly and so when you look at someone who has an eating disorder um i was just speaking with a girl actually yesterday who this is such a huge passion of hers um you know she suffered with eating disorders and no one knew because outwardly she didn't look like she had one um and people didn't think i had one until i was you know 90 pounds and then got down to 75 pounds and kidney failing and you know not able to walk because i was so frail and was in in a mental institution you know and so for me though i'm a really um i'm a really person oriented you know thinker and so i was in this in this eating disorder clinic looking around at all of these people and i'm like you know, the, the doctors and the nutritionists bless them. Like they do the best they can, but they were, they were sitting there focusing so much on what we were eating and when, and it wasn't, I mean, we were, now we were just putting our obsessions and our insecurities into another way of disordered eating. And so, so they treated the symptoms, not the problem, not the issue. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when I, um, it, it was quite miraculous. I don't struggle with eating disorders anymore. Like I basically just eat what I want and, um, and I, you know, eat how, what, in a way that makes me feel good, um, both emotionally and physically. I think that's so important to, to say, but, um, but now as a, as a nutrition coach, um, people will come to me with these, you know, ideas of weight loss and what they want to achieve. And they're quite surprised by the end because, you know, we've focused, um, I don't tell them what to eat. I don't give meal plans. I don't give any kind of like, okay, we'll eat this today and don't eat that later. And I give them guidelines for weight loss because that's what they want to do, but they make their own and they, they eat what makes them feel good. And, you know, if they come to me and they're like, oh, I'm really craving this, we decide if like, okay, is that your emotions talking? Like, are you needing some comfort? Are you needing love or attention from your family? Or are you stressed? Or do you actually really want to eat? Because if you really want to eat, let's eat, you know, um, let's, let's satisfy those emotions. But they're just, um, it's such a, it's, it's such a spiritual and, you know, um, I think we were, we were made to enjoy food and we were not made to feel in bondage by food. And so when you go to an eating disorder clinic, the number one thing they do is put you on a meal plan and have people watch you and make sure you're eating it. <laughs> That's it's, just it's crazy to It's part of the, that. what sounds traumatic to me about that, among many things, is like I would guess in between figuring it out that you have an eating disorder, there's a lot of secrecy, I would guess. I mean, you're sort of like, or, or you're, you know, a lot of times, probably for a lot of people, this is something that they share with no one right and then all oh, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're under all these watchful eyes like it goes from totally private to totally public 
almost instantly. Instantly. And that's the problem with our culture is because, you know, and this is a big problem I have too. Um, you know, the, this one time I'm so, I'm so, um, passionate about sharing how much of a mess we are because when we share about how messy we are and how, you know, either I'm really sad or I'm really happy or I'm really depressed or I'm a really crappy mom right now. If we share about things like that, it gives people the freedom to say, oh my gosh, me too. And now you can actually talk about what's happening. But we live in a culture today where it's like the strong person wins and the emotionally you know, secure and the um, emotionally stable person is the one who people to the most and they want to be like. Um, but the problem with that is that that's mostly pretend. And so with people who are struggling with eating disorders, they're not struggling with eating disorders because they have an obsession with food. The obsession with food comes from their lack of control and their lack of comfort and everything else. So it's not until they're literally dying and, you know, skin and bones that almost skin and bones that people are like, oh, wait, I think there's a problem here, you know, um, or they notice weird eating habits that they're having. But other than that, it's a very secret, it's a very secret thing. And, and they, people can, with eating disorders can master the art of, of eating just enough to where people don't question them. And how do people find you? I mean, because like, how do you connect with people that have a tough time getting, sharing this with somebody else? Like again, it's, it's become such an interior thing, right? Or such a private thing. Like, how do you get people to a space where they want to invite you into it? I put myself on blast all the time. Like, if you were to see my Instagram or you were to see it, because everything I do is on social media. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I like it that way. So I, um, you know, I, I do a um, essential oils, and I also do, you know, health and wellness. And they find me... Um, because I don't advertise myself. I don't have a website that you can go to and sign up for my coaching or sign up for this or whatever. But, um, I put myself on blast all the time and, um, I'm, I'm kind of like, a um, you know, it's like, um, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I enjoy you're a, you're a savvy social media user. Well, yeah, but I enjoy on social media. I enjoy making myself um, vulnerable to everyone because on social media, people are looking for, um, someone to relate to. And a lot of times we present ourselves as this unattainable perfection and it, and that ends up depressing people. And so for me, people come to me and they allow me into their, their safe space <laughs> because they know that I'm just a mess too. And so there's no judgment whenever we talk. And, and I think people appreciate that. Have people communicated that to you that they've said, look, the, one of the reasons I'm, I've reached out to you, some of the th things you've posted that I, like, I kind of wish I could post that. I would never do it. What like, are those kind of, those kind of, wow. Every day. Every day. Wow. Every day. Every day. I get, I, whether it's an, an, a direct comment on my post that I make, um, or whether it's just where they send me a personal message and they're just like, you give me the courage to, um, tell people I'm not okay. And that, that means so much to me because if, if everyone knew that everyone isn't okay all the time, um, I feel like we would, we would all have, a, a you know, much less disease and much less, um, you know, fear just going on in our own lives. Yeah. It's like Brene Brown says, right. That the thing is that shame, everyone has it and no one wants to talk about it. But the problem is 
the less you talk about it, the more of it you have. Yeah. It's like a vicious cycle, right? That, yeah. That, so it, it, like this thing that feels awful and vulnerable to do, but actually is liberative and freeing on the other side. It's just knowing that someone else feels like you do and is going and has gone through, even if it's just like something similar. Um, you know, and I find that in the, you know, as a woman, I find that in the, the, you know, body and, you know, exercise, I find that in food, I find that in mothering and, you know, being a wife, I, I, it's just, we're all really, really messy people and no one wants to admit it. Yeah. And do, you know, I know like in religious circles, people that talk like you do about food, it terrifies people. They say, okay, if you don't give people a bunch of rules, if you don't give people a bunch of regulations, it's going to be like boys and girls going wild. It's going to be like Jersey Shore. It's just people are just going to be complete uh, cretins, pagans, miscreants, whatever. So is, is there the same kind of reaction when you talk to people that work in fitness and, and nutrition and, and food coaching? Like, oh my gosh, if you do that, people are just going to keep binge eating. It's going to be, or, or they're going to not, or they're going to whatever. Like, is that, is that, do people react to you that way when you explain your philosophy about it? Yes, they do. And, um, you know, here's, here's what I say. It's like, I, I really love babies and I love, and, and babies love bathwater. So I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We just need to like, maybe look at what kind of bathwater it is. Yeah, who does want, it. who does really want to throw the baby out with the bathwater? You know, like I mean, it's one of those things. No, I want to keep the baby and I want to keep the bathwater. So I, you know, it just might need a little bit of, you know, fixing of the bathwater. But no, what I, what I tell people is that it's not the food. You know, if someone comes to say, I want to lose 20 pounds, well, then I'm going to say, okay, well, tell me what you eat. And we're going to talk about, you know, what they eat and how like, okay, well, you're not, you're not losing 20 pounds because you're eating this way. So here's how, here's some shifts we can make. And I take away trigger foods that I call them trigger foods. And these are, these are the foods that are, and I only do it for two weeks. It's not permanent, but these are the foods that we tend to go to because they make our brains feel comforted. They produce a hormone that is, is the same hormone that's produced when someone's touched or when um, they're happy, it's just you know it's it's a, it's the same thing. And so I I eliminate those because my goal with these people are to help is to help them find how to comfort themselves other than with this food. And so, um, but then after that, I'm like, okay, well now let's like let's have some fries. Let's have. To, I live off of fries and wine basically. Like that's my I love it. I can't I can't go you know longer than a week without it because it's just my favorite but um do you have yeah, anything with are, the fries and the wine or are you just like pop a cabernet and eat some fries i mean is there an entree um, and sometimes no literally it's like can i have a basket of fries with some ranch dressing and a bottle of wine i like that <laughs> like, okay it's so good and 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 it's and it satisfies me emotionally because if you try to take the emotions out of the food you're not, it's not going to work. So with, so with people and, and you're kind of, you know, do people freak out? Um, 
it goes both ways. It's yes, people freak out and they say, well, you have to have some rules and you can't eat that. There's no nutritional value in it. I had a, a little conversation with someone last night who was like, I'm, I'm starving. I'm like, yes, make sure you get some fries. And they're like, I don't eat fries. It's, there's no nutritional value. Well, I mean, that's not true. There's vitamin C work. in them because right, because <laughs> Americans get more vitamin C from potatoes than they do from orange juice. Yes, and they're and they're also like really, really satisfying and make you happy. But do you want to lose weight? Yes. Okay. Well, then you need to choose. You need to understand that A plus B. You can't have French fries all the time if you're trying to lose twenty pounds. But I also don't believe that they are. You know going there. It's not the French fries that's making a person 20 pounds overweight. It's all the French fries and the burgers and the every day. So yeah, I mean, people think my philosophy is great and then they think it's really bad at the same time. So I wanted to take a quick break from my conversation with Tiffany Ann Dwyer, which we'll return to in just a moment to thank a few of you, my sponsors, Leia Paulos, Peter Stegenwald, Samantha Blythe, Sari Graham, Jordan Morseberger and Josh Redder. Thank you all for being my Patreon sponsors. If you want to sponsor this podcast and help keep this content that you enjoy coming out, please just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. And there you can find information about how to give. If you give just five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on this podcast and help develop some future podcast projects that will be unfolding in the future. Thanks again to my sponsors. And please, if you like this podcast, consider becoming a Patreon sponsor. And now back to my conversation with Tiffany Ann Dwyer. There's a book called um, Failure of Nerve that I really like uh, by a guy named uh, Edwin, Edwin, Edwin Friedman, I think. And it's it's all about anxiety and leadership and things like that. But he says that, you know, everybody says, oh, we want an empathetic leader. And he's like, if by that they mean compassionate and a good human, that's good. But he's like, if that if they mean we want a leader, a leader to mirror us, that's bad because leaders often they're often groups are anxious, and if leaders mirror that, it's more anxious. And he thinks actually the best thing for a leader to be aware of is their own emotional state. That way, yeah. when the people they lead are anxious or frustrated, they can check in and say, okay, what? How am I feeling right now? And be a calming presence as opposed to a sort of inflammatory presence. It's, it's almost like a different version of that is what you're saying. Like, okay, I need to be aware of my own interior world in relationship to the food. You know, it's, it's so, so I'm not using the food uh, emotionally, but my emotions are engaging the food. Yes, I agree. It, you know, it, because like I'm a Christian and I, I read and I, I don't think that I don't like to get too, you know, weird about it, but like, I believe we were created and God gave us food and he gave us food for our enjoyment. And if we try to separate our enjoyment of food, um, with, you know, our, our health and our being, it's impossible. And so that's where you end up sitting there going, you know, well, I'm going to try and eliminate this and this and this and this. And then, you know, you're wondering why you don't, you're not happy and why you can't, you know, reach your goals and everything. So I do think there's just, it's just learning how to, um, have a healthy relationship and emotional attachment to what you're 
eating. And then that goes with everything that goes with, and that's impossible, you know, to, to perfect it, but, um, it goes with everything. You know, it's like, I, I, I try to teach my kids and I teach myself, you know, when I'm angry, it's not the person exactly that's making me angry or the thing that's making me, it's, there's something going on in me that I need to figure out. Why is this happening? Why do I get so pissed when this goes on? You know? Yeah. I mean, is that, I mean, we're creatures of desire, right? So like Augustine says, right? Like, Lord, command what you will, and again, give me the grace uh, to will what you command. There's the sense in which, I, I guess, is this why a lot of diet and exercise approaches fail? Because if my desire doesn't change, right, if I don't want different things, then I can restrain it for a while, and then it's mm-hmm. going to come back with a vengeance, right? Like, mm-hmm. so I've got to sort of get into, I guess this is what you're saying about, like, hey, it, it, the foods that you enjoy, like we don't want to take them away. We want to figure out how, how you can live a life that you enjoy with them, whatever it's food or fitness. If, if you don't, if it's not part of your life in a way that feels empowering, not like some sort of exterior law that just changed you down, it's not going to work, right? No, it's not going to work. And, and that brings me back to, so after I went into an eating disorder clinic on my, you know, because I had an eating disorder, I went on to um, be an eating disorder counselor. So I worked in this um, eating disorder clinic in Newport Beach, California. And I my job was to sit with these girls and basically be their best friend and sit with them. And as they were eating, talk to them and just say, how do you feel? Like, what are you feeling? You're eating your your food. And, you know, they would, they would express to me their feelings. This one girl, um, she was so young and I, when I had an overnight shift and, um, so I had to sleep there and I, I sleep on the couch. And, um, so that way, if anything happens, I'm right in the middle of it. And I wake, I hear this noise under the table in the kitchen and I'm like, what is that? So I go in the kitchen and it's this young girl, she's 18 years old. And she's under the table and she's eating dog food because we have a therapy dog there. She's eating dog food. And I, you know, like my, I was not very good at this, like I, according to my boss, <laughs> but I was supposed to call and, and report her. And I did it later, but I, I got under the table with her and I just sat there with her and I said, why, why are you feeling like you need to eat this? What are, what's going on with you? And she was just like weeping. And she's like, I don't deserve to eat real food. She said, I don't deserve to eat my, my, I I just deserve to eat like a dog. And I just, I wasn't allowed to, but I wanted to hug her. And so, and I couldn't cause, cause we weren't, we weren't allowed to get that close, but I just sat with her and I just said, you know what? you are, you are worthy of food. You were made to eat food and you are so important. And I, you know, later in my con, this was, this was what made me quit that job. Um, was I went into her therapist's office and I, I said, this is what happened. And they, they made, they, she got in trouble. Like she got in trouble. She was put on a warning and she almost got kicked out. And that made me so upset because I'm sitting there going, this is more, these girls don't need to be put on, um, you know, a specific, you can only have this much fat and you can only have this much, you know, carbs and you have to have this much, this, you, they don't need that. They need to be 
told and they need to be loved and they need to be, it needs to, this therapy that happens, they need to know that they're worth this and that they, that life hurts and that it's, you know, it, because that's what triggers a lot of this is they, they have this perfection issue or they have this ideal of what they think life is supposed to be and they can't meet up to it and no one else can meet up to it too. So this is what they can control. They can control the the weight loss and they can control what their body looks like, but then they fail too because they're dying and now they're failing at that. And so it's just, I just so feel they're like me, they're like literally either eating or starving their hearts out. Exactly. They're 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 and it's so little to do with food. And that's with my coaching. I'm like this isn't about you don't you're not 20 pounds overweight because of the calories. You're 20 pounds overweight or you're 30 or 40 or whatever it is because you're trying to you're trying to achieve something that has nothing to do with food. It's happening someplace else. And sometimes at the end of my coaching, they don't lose a thing, but they come out of it going, you know what? I'm good. Like I'm good with these 20 pounds. These are, this is like happiness for me They that I eat what I want and I feel happy. It was just a shift in thinking that they had to have because it's not about being thin, you know? So it's just, there's there. It, I, and I'm one person and I can't have like a huge impact, like, you know, but, um, but but our society is really 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 dangerous um, with with how it treats people and you know how they think about themselves and they think about the food that they're eating. I read something recently. I, I forget where it was. It was, it was posted somewhere on Twitter or Facebook. It was from it was from a periodical that I like, like The Atlantic or something like that, but or, or something like that. But basically, the point that the author was making is that everybody's always focusing on goals. Like, what are your goals? What are your goals? What are your goals? What are your, and, and that they don't pay enough attention to process. And so, and so like folks, what if the the person was saying, what if you, rather than judge sort of everything, well, did I meet my goals? What are my goals? That if you looked at things in light of cultivating practices that you enjoy that are, that, that empower what you're, you know, the things that aren't goals, but then like your goals are sort of secondary to the rhythm and lifestyle that might act, that might bring them about. Yes. I think that with some people, um, I had one girl who was like, she, I, I was, I was like, how are you? Like, how are you like this? Cause she was like a dream as far as um, she just was really even keel on her emotions. And she was like, I have a goal and I want to lose this baby weight. And I'm like, okay. And, and I wasn't able to pick up on any kind of emotion or any kind of, you know, like weird attachment that she had that, um, you know, that she was putting into food. She just genuinely had this goal and she did it. She lost all this weight and she's kept it off and we coached for four or five months and that was it. Um, so for some people, they're just like naturally balanced in their heads and they, you can just say, okay, do this. But then there's some people like me, um, where it takes, I, I need, I need to find the why I need to find the yeah. underlying yeah. issue, you know, of what's happening. And, um, you know, my husband's a Marine and, and he set out to lose 15 pounds and he did, he lost it and he's just totally fine. But for me, you're going to have to pry French fries out of my cold, dead fingers because there's no way I'm giving them up because I love them so much. You know, you're going to if you're going to tell me I can't drink wine, you're you're going to find a very unhappy person because 
I love it so much. Um, and so the goal, like reaching a goal for me looks so much different because there, there's, there's deeper things going on there than, you know, than, than just the, the end goal. You're also in pretty good shape. Like that's, that's fair to say, right? Yes. And you attribute at least some of your success to, is it the Tracy Anderson? The Tracy Anderson method. Yeah. The Tracy Anderson method. So why, why do you find, and she actually, you've actually gotten to know her pretty well. So can you say a little bit about why you dig the Tracy Anderson method, why you recommend it fitness wise and like what your relationship with her has been like? I mean, how has that impacted your life? I would love to. Um, I have to say, I don't get paid to talk about her. I just genuinely want to promote her to anyone I possibly can because she's she's life changing for so many people. Um, she she taught me. Um, you know, first when I found her, it was just like, oh, that looks like a fun workout. But as you go, as you 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 know, it's like basically almost like a cult. But be, these people like follow her and they love her because she teaches them that, um, same thing with my philosophy with food, you can't expect to get, you know, a a certain type of body if you're not going to connect with yourself. And so in our, um, in our workouts, I mean, there have been times where I have literally wept through my entire workout because it brought out so many emotions. Um, you know, she doesn't talk to you during the workout. She doesn't, the music is really loud. Um, you know, it's preferably extremely hot and humid in your workout space. Um, but she doesn't talk to you because her goal is, um, your mind and your body are so connected. And if you're going to move the way that you were made to move, you have to learn how to connect with yourself emotionally and mentally. And so, um, you know, we do 5 million reps and we do, you know, an hour long workout and, she doesn't do any kind of running or anything. We have to learn dance cardio and, um, that's intimidating for a lot of people, but it's, it's because she wants us, she wants us going internal and she wants us connecting with our minds. Um, and the result of that is, um, is, is all over body strength, you know, like, so we're not, we don't have any supercharged muscles. Generally we're, you know, really feminine looking, Um, but we're also, if you follow the Tamale, they are the, probably like the deepest thinkers that I have ever met. They, they are very, um, intentional and they're in everything they do. Um, and, and they're very intense. And I love that because, because I think that more people, if they went internal and, and they connected with themselves, a lot of things in their lives would change for the better. And she actually, I mean, you, you're still in contact with Tracy. You, you, you two talk. Oh yeah. She's very active on Instagram and she's, yes. Um, I stayed with her for a week and in the Hamptons last summer. That sounds like so hard. What? Like a week in the Hamptons. Oh, it was horrible. It was so bad. (laughs) Was there French fries and wine? There were the best French fries and the best wine and lobster rolls and delicious Tuna. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Um, you know, but, but what she does is she travels, she travels the world, um, mostly here in the States, but she travels and she connects with her, um, with her followers and she connects with the people who does her workout and, and teaches them just how to go deeper and and more effective. And, um, I've learned 
so much about being a woman from her, just even from a distance watching her. Um, she encouraged me a lot to not be afraid and, um, you know, that it's okay to, she, she taught me the, the true definition of feminism, which I love so much. Um, so her, you know, what, what she taught me was you are a woman and you have a lot of gifts as a woman. And so use them. Um, because for a long time I was afraid to, I was wrapped up in this, you know, I'm, I'm only a mom and I'm only a wife. Um, but I have so many talents other than that. And, and, you know, she's been a huge support in encouraging that. Have you seen To the Bone on Netflix? I have. That's, I have people seen. are talking about that a lot. What do you think of, 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 of To the Bone? You know, it's so funny is I had, like I, I said I, earlier about a, another, I had a conversation with this girl who's, who struggled with an eating disorder and, um, and we were talking about it and she hated the movie and I loved the movie. Um, she hates it because she thinks that it, it, it glamorizes and I'm, you know, I'm definitely generalizing in blanket statement this, but, um, she, she thinks it glamorizes eating disorders and then it paints a, paints a picture that that is what an eating disorder looks like, you know, like a white, attractive, funny, who's skin and bones. Um, and I agree to a point, but like we were discussing earlier, people don't know that you have an eating disorder until you are, you know, skin and bones or you're doing some really weird crap. And so, um, I, I thought that wasn't a huge deal, but I loved the movie because it focused so little on food and it focused on what she was feeling and what she was feeling in the movie was, um, a lack of, if you look at her family, I mean, they're just all so crazy and they're all, they don't even consider her in anything. They're just pissed off at each other. And, you know, it's, she's blamed for a suicide that she, you know, supposedly caused from her art. She's blamed for her family, you know, falling apart. She's blamed for all of these things. And, and food was the only thing that she could control. And they highlighted that instead of, you know, her, her, her journey of getting better because she, you know, ate well at the end, like you don't even really know if she actually got better or not. And that's the case with so many, you don't know, but it ended on a, um, a note of, of just being, um, willing to know that you have an issue, you know, willing to, to, to admit the fact that you have a problem. And, um, yeah, I like it. It it sounds like the way you approach eating disorders and, and just food and health and, and the way it connects with your own spirituality is it seems like you emphasize what people have in common, like that, that, that people that, have issues with eating and eating disorders. You, fo- it seems like you focus not on what sets them apart from humanity, but what they have in common with humanity. Like everybody has forms of brokenness that stem from emotional needs that aren't met and manifest in many ways, and this is one way it manifests. Uh, it, it, yeah. It, I mean, is the I mean, is part of that approach that like it's it's less isolating. Like when you look at it like that, that that mm-hmm. you 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 it doesn't it, take someone who has these struggles out of the human story and family, but actually shows in some sense how we're all uh, in the emotional struggle of life together. Yes. Yes. People who need other people and we need other people to share in, in everything. You know, I had, I had a really, um, and that's another story, but I had a, a really difficult time about two or three years ago, two and a half years ago. And, you know, the people that I thought were supposed to love me 
the most during the time when like I was going through a really hard time. I was, um, doing things that, that, you know, I probably shouldn't have been. Um, and I was, you know, I was just really suffering in all kinds of ways. And I was basically left, you know, because I wasn't, I wasn't who they thought I was and I wasn't performing in the way that they thought I should. And it left me with no friends. Um, and I was, it was the most lonely I have ever been. Um, because I, what I needed was just someone to be like, you know what? I get it. You know, like either you, I've been where you are or I understand in some way. And so, so many of us, when we're going, you know, people don't, don't, um, you have kids who are killing themselves right now because they feel like they're completely alone and they, they're afraid to talk to their parents because their parents just want to fix it. And they're afraid to talk to a school counselor because the school counselor will report them. And I'm not saying that's wrong to, you know, to, to take action and help, but, but most of the time we just need someone to say, I'm, I'm with you. I understand. And that's really rare to find these days. Well, I'm glad that people have found that in you. And I'm Thank thankful you. for what you're doing. And Thank you. people can find you on Instagram, right? They can. Yes, they can. Yes. It's um, Tiffany spelled with an E. So T-I-F-F-A-N-E-Y underscore A-N-N. Tiffany Ann. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. And Thanks, for spending uh, some time talking with me. Yes, of course. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, pleasure is all mine. Thanks for listening to Give and Take. If you liked what you heard, Please do a couple things for me. They are so helpful if you do them. Share this interview on social media or via email or tag someone in a tweet or something and say, hey, this is great. Check it out. Spread the love and goodness if you've found it here. Also, if you could go, please, 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 it takes like 60 seconds. Go to iTunes and write a review and give a, give a rating to the podcast. It really, really helps, especially as things are getting off the ground. And if you want to consider becoming a Patreon sponsor, you can just go right to the link on the podcast page, giveandtake.fireside.fm. You can find all the information there. And if you want to connect with Tiffany Ann Dwyer, the best place is Instagram. You can find her there at Tiffany underscore Ann. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, fare thee well.